I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter. We use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element. I highlight Fifth Element Hip Hop, which is knowledge. I take seven podcasters, put them in a line, add seven more brothers who think they can chime. It will take seven more before I go for mine. And that's 21 podcasters hanging up at the same time. Sticking with digits. One take, and Charlie. That was a two take Just gonna be real with you guys. That was clean. That was two take. I wasn't. I wasn't gonna blow you up. He was like, well, you, can't, you can't fuck it up. If, you can't fuck it up with the good MC." I was like, "All right, I'll do it again." Fuck shit. Well, that was my hardest critic. Fucking hell. I was just gonna allow it. Okay. I've been cool. I've been gassing Don't you up, man. It. Come fine. on, hey, hey, it's constructive Job criticism. You, I've been gassing you up for weeks about your uh, your rapping ability. Yes. Just, you know, it's just constructive criticism. Oh. Well, you know, I'll give you that. Is that okay for you? That's yeah, fine, man. Now right. we can leave that in. We can leave that in. I wanted to leave it's the good. first one in. I wanted okay. to leave the first one in, but you know. How many, how many episodes? Goes. How many? How many intros have I done? This dude's done one. To be fair, I fucked. I ruined mine too. I I I, I listened back to it and I'm like, I, I shouldn't be rapping Andre three thousand. Yeah, you didn't so. wheel that up, did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I struggled that up, with that. Did you? Yeah. Struggled with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't retake that one, did we? Mm-hmm. Very very yeah. harsh yeah. critic. Yeah. Well. Hi <laughs> Ben, how's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? <clears throat> uh, you know, it's been one of those weeks, hasn't it? Um, I just want to shout out everyone protesting, everyone speaking on it. Just keep speaking on it, man. We can't let it stop. Just keep fucking speaking on it because pretty soon the music industry and collective consciousness is going to want to change the narrative. They're going to want to move away from it. They're going to want to forget about it. Don't fucking let them, all right? Keep talking about it. That's what I want to say about that. Um uh, it segues nicely into Run the Jewels 4, of course, which is... Ah, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, man. Jesus, Jesus. What are we going to do here? Like, Run the Jewels. Fucking hell, man. They're quickly becoming one of the greatest duos of all time. Like, I can't even... I mean, we're speaking about a legendary duo on this podcast. And to be honest, it seems like hip-hop history is kind of littered with great duos. But I would argue that right now, yep. no one is more relevant no one has a better aesthetic, and no one is rapping the way these two are. Like, the way they rap basically encompasses mm-hmm. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. The braggadocious bars is like total 80s. Like, they're, they're just everywhere, man. 80s posturing. Then we have like the hard edge 90s delivery across insane boom bat beats. You know, I've said on this podcast a few times that I don't understand how LP makes beats sound this way. I don't get it. Like, you know, it's it's different. It's completely different to how a normal boom bap beat sounds. It's just, it's just like, but it's the same elements. But it just sounds cleaner or crisper or harder. I don't know what he's doing. Some some studio trickery. Then we get the glitz of the two thousands, like the production flourishes, the dick jokes. You're gonna get dick jokes from LP. 
I think he says the word urethra on this album. I'm like, man, this guy just loves talking about that uh, that organ. Um, you know, and there's a move towards a more conversational lyrical tone. Like when with the 90s, it was almost like watching a movie when you were listening to an album for anyone who wasn't directly involved in the activities that rappers were rapping about. But the 2000s, it was kind of like watching reality TV, like the good kind, the good kind, the first kind when it came out in the 2000s, where you felt like they were sitting in the room with you. And I feel like on this RTJ4, that's exactly what it is. It's like they're just sitting across from me, like talking to me. Uh, I, I don't know how they do that. And then for some, somehow they sound fresh in 2020. They sound, you know, they sound like they're of the times. They sound like they're of this decade. They can both flow insane. Killer Mike dips into the triplet flow sometimes. Ah, bro, man. And the political content is just so essential. And I assume most of this was recorded pre-George uh, Floyd. So this is just what they rap about. If you know uh, Run the Jewels, they, they rap about this all the time. And we really freaking needed this, man. We needed this so badly. Uh, uh, I love it. I absolutely adore this album. I think that they now have a case for the best four-album stretch in history. I don't think it is the best because I think there's been some incredible four-album stretches, but I truly feel like they're in that conversation at this point. This album, regards to... You know, I've listened to it maybe 10 times or gone through it and analyzed it lyrically. It's just like... It's exactly what you would expect. It's total top tier across the board. There's There's no bar out of place. Everything is shuddering. Everything is like energetic. It's it's aggressive. It's powerful. It yeah, man. This is a great fucking album. And you know, Charlie said a few weeks ago he can guarantee that Run the Jewels, even pre-release, will end up on everyone's album of the year list at the end of the year. They fucking will. But they will because they just and it's not even hype. You know, it's not even hype. Like it's just good music. And, and to the be crazy real, it might thing, be on mine. So. Oh man, I mean, it was going to be on mine. But the crazy thing is, like, it's they're now mm. commercially successful. So they're the first hip hop act mm-hmm. since they changed the uh, release date to Fridays to go top 10. They're the first to go top 50 off two, less than two days of sales. They sold like 38K in two days. That put them at number 10. I don't think any, I th- well, no one's done it in the top 50. I think. I was going through it and I stopped counting at like the top 50, but I think Logic did it in, went 56 with like 7K sales off two days. But apart from that, with that garbage supermarket album, but apart from that, the only other person in all genres who's done it is Eric Church, a country artist. I think he's country. Uh, He did 75K in two days, but no one else has done top 50 in less than two days apart from Run the Jewels and Eric Church. That's insanity, man. And that they, they gave it out for free. Like, oh, fuck, man. I can't speak more highly of this album. Like, I'm talking a lot about it because I didn't listen to much this week. I listened to Flatbush Zombies as well. I thought it was a pretty good project. It was actually my favorite Flatbush Zombies project. I'm not a huge fan of theirs. I would never admit that really? on Twitter. Really? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just not... I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I just haven't been able to get into them. I've tried so many times. But this project was mm. good. I really liked the... Uh, it was short. It was quite diverse. They were over different kind of beats. Uh, there was some slower stuff. You know, I, I really did enjoy this project. So the two projects I listened to this week, very, very solid. Wow, you only listened to two projects, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ. I've listened to more than Ben has in a week. That's crazy to think about. 
Wow, uh, that's a that's a rarity. So I've, t- I've finally got one on the board. Yay! <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh, well, what can I say about RTJ? Uh, well, the only, th- the only thing I will say about RTJ4 uh, that Ben hasn't said is the fact that it's called RTJ4 and the rest of them are called Run the Jewels 1, 2, and 3. That really pisses me off, just from a like consistency and grammar perspective. Uh-huh. Like, why do you call this RTJ4 and not Run the Jewels 4? It's so triggering to me. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know why. You have the weirdest oh, triggers, man. You oh, it makes me want to triggers. pull my hair out. <laughs> Bro, come on, you've seen that shit. You've seen that shit. You're like, oh, it's just not, it's not, oh, it's not organised. It has to be run the jewels for. God. Oh, dear. We'll just call them, we'll call them all RTJ, RTJ2. Like, come on, have some consistency. That That's the only thing that pisses me off. But yeah, you, you, you pretty much, you pretty much said, like, um, you, you pretty much said it. I mean, like, four, no miss, no misses. Um, it's just it's just another one. Like, I can't. What, what else? What else can I possibly say about it? It's just um, it 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 hits. You know exactly what you're getting. You get more of it. Um, yeah, man. And you know, I I did like I did like I said. You know, um, I knew that it would be on people's album lists, um, ahead of time. And I kind of said that derogatively because obviously, uh, most people's album of the year lists are pretty much all the same. Um, but in this case, um, I will eat. I will happily eat crow on this fact because mm. um, it'll it might it might it's definitely on my it's definitely on my long list. Um, it might be on my short list, and uh, who knows? It might make the um, uh, the overall list. So uh, we'll see about that in time. But yeah, man, it it hits. It hits. It, it definitely hits. Um, shout out to Killer Mike and LP. Um, Flavor Zombies now more than ever. It's interesting that you can't get into them actually. Um, I thought I thought I don't know, I don't know why I think you'd be into them, but I thought you'd be I don't know uh, at least. Just uh, you know, looking forward to their stuff, I guess. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed three thousand one Lace Odyssey when I listened to it back in twenty sixteen. I think I was in uni at that time, and I just um, it was it was kind of different. Um, very spacey, but they would just start talking about weed all the time. It was very fun. Uh, Vacation in Hell, I actually probably enjoyed more as a um, just as a uh, probably probably like replay value. Um, the the has a has a has like a feature from Joey Badass in it. Uh, I think there was a track called Headstone and Hello, the 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 title, uh, the not title, the uh, first track of the album, Slurps. I had that. I think on my songs, maybe my songs of the year that that year. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really like Escaped from New York. I think we talked about that last year, obviously with the uh, Beast Coast. Um, but yeah, this one's solid, solid EP as EPs go this year. <laughs> Don't want to keep saying it, but yeah, as EPs go, it's pretty solid. Um, so they talk about you know they've got the weed stuff, um, but they do switch up a little bit you know with the stuff with like when I'm gone the last track very you know very 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 change of pace for them. Um, I like I love dirty elevated music that that's probably my favorite track off there. Um, but yeah man and uh, is it Michi Darko the one with the grizzly voice because um, yeah. I love that voice so much that that's just a Michi's that's a mad. top ten voice right Michi's now. Mad love, every time I hear that voice on wax, ugh. yeah he's he's oh man he's every mad time underrated. just just a voice alone. It's yeah. just ugh, so demanding. It's like, oh, yes, yeah. come yeah. through. Um, and uh, yeah, lastly, I got into JME, Graham MC. What's up, JME? Shout out, JME. Uh, he actually released this um, uh, strictly via vinyl, I think. Strictly, vi- well, strictly physical release um, uh, f- months ago, I think in February. Um, and uh, now it's finally on, um, uh, you know, uh, streaming platforms. And, um, you know, if you haven't listened to JME before, Listen to this album. Listen to this album because it really set. He he really just talks about, um, 
basically, he, he just retrospects, gives himself a little retrospective, to be honest. Like, he, he talks about, like, where where he was as a youth, what he was doing. Uh, he talks about where he's at now, and where he's at now, I truly, truly respect. Um, it's really something that I'm, like, trying to do with my work, and it's not, it's not trying to you know, make compromises, he, he's never been on a um, major label, obviously major labels keep hitting him up, and he's like, why, you know, it's, it, I just, I just highly respect it, um, I highly respect his attitude and his work ethic, and it's all throughout this album, and, uh, you know, and as you can imagine, with the Grime MC, it's got them Grime beats as well, and it's left, so, uh, you know, and there's some, there's some cool features there, Big Zoo, um, I think Skepta's on here as well, um, and yeah, then, Crime MC is clean. Shout out to Jamie, one of the one of the best one of the best in the game, uh, for sure. And uh, wow, that's uh, wow. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. When was the last time we did a weekly music roundup and it was less than fifteen minutes? Jesus Christ, I feel a bit um, I feel a bit overwhelmed. So that was weird. I feel I was, like we need to talk more about. I was other like stuff. I was like buying something <laughs> on eBay while you were talking because I'm like this is this will go on for a while and then I'm like I only just finished checking out and I'm like oh shit okay we're done wow we got through that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so hop off eBay um, yeah get off eBay yeah so we're getting on to a uh, topic of this episode and we were talking about as we mentioned last week at the end of our episodes Eric B and Rakim now um. We have kind of uh, gone back and forth in terms of how we want to do this, and I think we firmly, I think I think like firmly, uh, uh, f- uh, firmly um, uh, landed on the you know trying to talk more about I guess Eric B side instead of Rock Kim side. Obviously, we're going to talk about the whole group as as a whole and talk about their albums to- they did together. Um, but I feel because you know we're probably going to do an, a Rock Kim retrospective, you know. Uh, some sometime down the line, so you know we don't want to get all our rock him out now. You know what I mean? So we might, we might like you know have a little, you know, from a um, I guess uh, from a talking perspective and just what we talk about like, um, in terms of background. Maybe just lean a little bit more to Eric B because um, you know, it, in terms of like, I might as well I might as well start here actually. Like in terms of how we think about them as a duo is very fascinating. Obviously, we see Rakim, you know, it's just like, you know, God MC, you know, one of the greatest of all time, you know, consensus top 10, objectively, uh, well, objectively top five, actually, in my opinion, but, you know, you know what I'm getting at, God MC, right? And then there's just Eric B, and it's like, there's nothing There's nothing there for, for in terms of, like, how we talk about him legacy-wise. Um, obviously, there's that like Eric B for president. It's obviously that because that was the first track they ever did, and you know they've kept that up. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just really weird thinking about them from a legacy perspective. Um, but from a musical perspective, obviously, it's it's all there to be um, admired and to be respected. Uh, but well, we might get into that a little bit later as well. So mm. <laughs> there's a lot to dive in uh, dive into for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, let's just, let's just dive on in, get on the diving board, springboard, do some backflips, let's dive on in. Yeah, I mean, Rakim literally changed the way mainstream rap sounded, and I don't just, I don't mean hip-hop, I mean, like, rap, the act of rapping, the sound of it, the cadence, the flow, the intricacy of the lyrics, he is the pinnacle of technical rap. I, I don't think anyone mm-hmm. has done more for technical rap before or since Rakim. I'm just going to, if you don't know why I'm saying that and you don't understand, we will do Rakim at some point. That's why we're going to focus a little bit more on Eric B here. And so we will explain why that is. But if you, 
need that question answered right now, there's a billion articles out there as to why this is the case. And you can do the yep. research and it's it's objective fact at this point. Um, now, Eric, okay, so we're going to get into this. Like, I start on this by saying this. I'm not. I, I'm not doing this to shit on Eric B. Um, and I'm not going to shit on Eric B. I'm going to give Eric B's perspective and what he said, and I'm going to give other people's perspective. Now, Eric B believes that Rakim wouldn't be a top ten MC without him, and without Eric B and Rakim, as in like Eric B was the one who helped create that legacy for Rakim. And I will say off rip, I think he might be right. Eric B was the curator, the businessman of the duo. He was the one negotiating the first ever million dollar recording contract. He was the one who Rakim came to when Ra wanted to take it to the next level. There's a great story where Ra was in the studio with Nas early, like 87, 88. And he said, he called Eric B and said, man, these, these kids are hungry. Like we need to, we need to step it up. And Eric B was the one who could do that, you know. Uh, Eric B was the showman. He was the one who propelled them into the stratosphere. And I think he doesn't get the props he deserves for those achievements. So what I'm trying to say is, we'll get into the ghost producing later. I don't want, I don't want you to think we're not going to talk about that. Or we're going to skirt around that. I'm going to dive deeply into that. <laughs> Even if we say that Eric B didn't produce like most of that stuff, Eric B was a, his legacy is like the business side. Like he, I'll talk about that in a bit, but like, I truly feel like he was the one that propelled and grabbed Rakim and like kind of pushed him into the mainstream. Um, and the funny thing is, man, they're legit opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of personality. Eric B is yeah. a, a typical DJ. He's loud. He's confident. He's accommodating. He's well-spoken. He's opinionated and he's very clear. Rakim sounds like a typical artist to me. You know, he's slightly withdrawn, quiet, very cool, very calm, and he considers about he considers what he's going to say before he says it. Like he's, you could hear him thinking, "How am I going to respond to this question?" And uh, I wonder, Charlie, like how you feel about what I just said. Do you really do you think that Rakim would be in this conversation that we're having if he hadn't linked up with Eric B? There's a there's a lot of um, I guess uh, uh, examples you can give when it comes to you know people that are joined at the hip from a just a you know professional perspective right um, Michael Jordan would be Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen right it's 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 just how it's just how it works sometimes you know mm. sometimes there are um, you need that other person or a team behind you in, you know, whatever, um, it doesn't have to be sports, but just in like, you know, business or whatever that you just, you, you need, you might need other people. Um, so I mean, with that said, I completely understand where, you know, the, the, that is coming from, right? Obviously without Eric B, there would, <laughs> it wouldn't be a Rakim in the sense that we're talking about him now. And on the flip side of that, which is obviously very hypothetical and in a parallel universe, um, then, well, let's, let's, let's go with this, right? Without, um, without Eric B at the beginning, there might not have been a Rakim. And that's, mm. and I'll 
excuse me, I'll only say that because um, at the beginning, uh, er, uh, Rakim wasn't even, uh, you know, invested in rap like that. Um, at the beginning, his first love was um, American football. He wanted to be a quarterback. He wanted to be in the NFL, right? He wanted to be professional. Um, and he only did rap in um, just as a side thing. And then obviously it went, It you know, the first um, the first crack at it went very well. And obviously the writing was on the wall from that point. So, you know, maybe without... Well, clearly, right? Without it would be, there would be no Rakim. But that's not what you're asking, is it? It's, 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 it's more like... There's, there's more... I don't know. There's more to that question, obviously. Um, again, using the Michael Jordan uh, analogy. Mm. Like, would, would Michael Jordan be Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen's top 50 all-time prowess? <sighs> Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> would Kobe would have been Kobe without Shaq or Pau Gasol or Lamar Odom in in in, in later years? Like, would uh, LeBron James would have been LeBron James without Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh? Right? There's there's many many examples you can give with this, and all the answers obviously on the other side of those um, hypotheticals are in a parallel universe somewhere that we can't reach. Mm. So we can't exactly answer them. But we can speculate. And yeah, I could probably speculate and say, um, if Rakim would... Okay, let's say this. If Rakim was into rapping, right, you know, from day one, right, um, maybe he would have become Rakim without being Rakim, right? Maybe. Maybe. But that wasn't the case. The case was... Um, rapping was kind of a side a side hustle for him on just as a just as something to do. Um, he had a he had a group. Um, I forgot the name. Uh, he had he had a group beforehand, and you know that 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 went. Pfft, it was meddling, but then obviously Eric B came in and just gave him the kick up the arse that he needed. So um, and gave him the motivation, I guess, and and the uh, and the know how behind everything. So yeah. The short, the short answer, <laughs> uh, uh, from all that waffle, um, I'd say probably, and I only say probably because I can't definitively say no, um, because we don't know what happens in that parallel universe if they never met. But um, yeah, of course, Eric B has a you know has a hand in Eric um, in Ra Kim's um, godlike persona right uh, legacy right now. Well, of course, that's why we're talking about Eric B and Rakim first. That's not a not Rakim like uh, first. We're doing the duo first, and then we'll do Rakim later. So you know, it's, it's there's a reason why we're doing that. So you know, it's just yes. In 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 the short answer, probably. <laughs> I was talking to, to someone to quote Heineken. I was <laughs> Heineken? talking Carlsberg. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, I was talking to someone on Instagram about this, not about Eric B specifically, but we were, and, and Rakim, we were talking about the idea of pioneers in hip hop and how he was of the volition that he was pretty upset that a lot of people get a lot of credit when he's like, it would have happened anyway. And I said, you can't even, you can't know that. But he's like, Would you Kendrick know, have been Kendrick without Top Dog? Would Kendrick have been Kendrick without Tupac? Like the, 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 there's so a million, <laughs> that's the thing. And then he yeah. was like, and, and I said for, for specific things like maybe uh, Kanye with 808s, maybe that you could say pretty definitively, that's a big fucking change. But for other things, so I'll tell you the backstory of Eric B and Rakim, because to me, 
it makes it sound like Eric B kind of scooped him out of obscurity and but he's just such a good MC that I really I don't know it's, I, I don't know how to answer that question yeah. either I don't know because Rakim was doing something so different you know Molly Mal was just like you need to rap differently you can't rap like this you know no mm-hmm. one's rapping like this so it's possible that so many people would have just been like meh he's not rapping the right way like we're not going to give him a go so Eric B uh I'll start with the the backstory he was a DJ obviously he uh he began at park parties in new york and he was assisting other djs and you know when they went off to he tells stories of like when they went off to to get a girl they would say hey you know you put a couple of records on so he was in charge of the decks when they did that but he was also like a genuine sound nerd you know he used to take his mother's radio apart and work out how to make it sound better uh he was a big advocate of assigning props to who whoever had the best sounding systems he was big on that. He's like, the different areas in New York all had different sounds, and those sounds came from their speaker systems. And he said Queens was right up there. Um, and this is all important because when we we'll talk about their second album and how that sounds, explicitly sounds, uh, that's all important. Mm-hmm. And it was Eric B. who approached Rakim. Eric B. was planning a compilation album. He would be the DJ, the producer, the curator, and get a bunch of hot rappers to spit over the beats. And he met Rakim through Alvin Tony, uh, who knew that Rakim was at home just writing complex shitloads of bars, just writing, writing, writing. And Eric B had to kind of, well, Eric B sells himself to everyone. You know, if you listen to his interviews, that's what he does. He's a, he's a, he's a salesman. And uh, he promised he was going to put a Fonda Ray baseline over Funky President. And apparently Rakim spat out his beer and said it shouldn't be done. But uh, he did it, and Eric B. for president was born. And that's how they got together. So, you know, everyone knew that Rakim could rhyme, but Rakim said, because he was, I think he's from Long Island. I think that's what he said in the interview. And he said that there weren't many rappers from Long Island. They People weren't like, oh, Long Island is a hub for hip-hop. So, <laughs> you know, it's hard to hear, it's hard to say, like, whether he would have overcome that regional bias. And, you know, it's it's the same as, like, people give Nelly a lot of props because he opened up St. Louis. But before Nelly, like, people from St. Louis weren't popping, and they might have been great. They might have been amazing. But before Nelly, it wasn't happening. So it's very hard. It's very hard. Like, as, even with the backstory, it gets even more complex as to who did who and what what. But, um, you know, Paid in Full, it took them two weeks to record Paid in Full. Can you believe that, man? Two weeks. We'll talk about Paid in Full. I want to ask you, Charlie, like, I think you should definitely go first on this album. Like, how do you <laughs> feel about Paid in Full? Just because I'm going to start, like, gushing at the end of mine. And uh, But, yeah, I want to hear about your your experience with Paid in Full. Um, it's very... Uh, it, it's extremely dated. Uh, wow. The first thing I always okay. have to go in right. i i honestly especially when when we get to the other albums it gets better for me personally um but yeah i understand obviously like the 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 legacy of paid in full you know iconic artwork it's <laughs> it's just it's it looks like it looks like photoshop just a little by a beginner is so funny to me to look at hmm. i'm just a red in paid in full and i can barely see it it's just it, it triggers me a little bit but it's, it's funny it, it's similar to like uh you know how um how uh, the no limit uh albums look like and they just look like oh, fuck 
they're, they're just, bad they're men. They're such an they're such an eyesore. Like Some big of those time and P ones boys. are like, what it, are you the, doing? Oh god, it makes me cringe. It's not. I mean, paid in full ain't that bad, but it's 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 pretty eh. Um, but anyway, yeah, music wise, oh, I. I don't know because I, I I like I, obviously there's so many classics on here right. There's Aries Be Present, duh, right. There's there's Paid in Full, duh. Mm. Uh, there's My Melody, which mm. I obviously referenced in the start of the start of the uh, episode. Um, I, I ain't no joke, classic, right. I, but, I don't know, but like when I listen to it, it's it's dated. Um, I just I, I it's extremely minimal, which I respect in one sense, um, but. As like a just a replayable thing, like do I want to replay this album? You know what I mean? Can I find stuff in the beats or whatever that I haven't heard before? No, no, not really. <laughs> not, not really. It's not. I don't find it that uh, replayable. Um, but with that said, I certainly do understand like the you know the 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 weights of this album and the fact that you know people still reference Paid in Full in many many ways. Um, my melody alone, the fact that that she has five verses, like five verses. Like we were talking about death of the third verse, uh, a few obviously a few months ago, and this she has five, <laughs> five verses. Yeah, that's wild. Now I'm not saying everyone should do. I'm not saying everyone should do five verses, but that's just absolutely absurd content. That's an absurd amount of content, right? Um, but um, yeah, I'll I'll leave that for the moment because um, I I think. Uh, I think the next album as well, I'll get into a more um, lyrical standpoint. But yeah, as as an overall listen, you know, I, I find it just a very very dated. Um, it's it's minimal, um, which is obviously par for the course for many many hip hop albums at that time. Um, uh, in, in, well, in terms of like the eighties, especially, and this was the late eighties, which um, uh, which says something. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Out of the four, it's probably my least favorite, to be honest. Um, oh my gosh, fuck! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might, it might be, it might, it might be. Uh, to be that honest. might be the hottest take we've sure ever had it. on this podcast, just, bro. It's, it just might be. <laughs> oh the my god, fuck it is, bro. That ain't the hottest take. That ain't a hot take. Are the oh, other, the wait, okay, wait, bro. The the others are much more replayable. Trust me, the, the other four, the other three are much more replayable. I'm Oof. speaking from a purely replayable factor. To be completely honest with you, like uh, everything else, attack. like lyrically, it's it's all it's, it's it's pretty much I can't decide. Um, but yeah, uh, sound wise, I think it's um, while I understand the minimalism, and this is coming from a guy who's very minimalist as a person. Um, it, it's it's it yeah, yeah. it's 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 not it's not for me. Wow, I'm having a panic attack. I'm trying to calm myself down. I'm I'm gonna. Like, it's I'm not gonna the go, hottest take. Calm the fuck down. I'm gonna go in a different <laughs> direction. Up. I'm gonna go in a slightly different direction to Charlie. Um, <laughs> so so this was <laughs> this is the first pre 1996 album I had ever heard. I I listened to it before Illmatic, before Doggy Style, for everything. I remember okay. it so well i was young and this was back when downloading off limewire and burning onto a cd was a thing and i found a list on a forum somewhere that listed all the classic albums by year uh ll's radio was on there but paid in full downloaded Mm. quicker so this is my first ever experience with 80s rap i never heard an 80s rap album before this like a full project now you would imagine that if someone is tentatively dipping their toe into the you know, comparatively simplistic world of 80s rap, especially as I was listening to 2000s rap at the time, 
I would be a yeah. little bit disappointed. I would say, as Charlie said, that this is dated. But it was paid in full, man. Come on. Like, I just don't think it's fucking dated. Like, I think it just sounds fresh as fuck, man. The opening drums on I Ain't No Joker are insane. Like, that slap, that's grinding level snap. That's the melody, like the melody I'll give you. Oh, the but beat, the, the beat, the is drums, man. That's bit, you know, la- last night, last night I was um <laughs> helping my mum with something, and she was under the house, and I was like on top of, and we were like pulling something through, like pulling a an Ethernet cable. So I was banging out the beat to it ain't no I ain't no joke on on the floor, and she's like, "What the fuck is that?" I'm like, "It's ain't no joke, mum. Come on, sort your shit out. Like this is a classic." So I I just. You know, Eric B on the cut sounds futuristic. Um, my melody, like as soon as I heard that, I finally understood all where the, all, where all this, the samples and interpolations had come from. I was like, oh, okay, disgusting shit. I was like, holy track. fucking shit. Um, bro, I just, track. I think the album slaps. I think it's insane. I think Move the Crowd still knocks. Uh, Eric B is president, of course. The title track is a top 10 most iconic hip-hop song. Like, if you can't rap along to this, then, yeah, I don't know, yeah. man, you've been asleep so right. long that you might as well be dead. Like, <laughs> fucking wake, wake your ass up and go listen to that fucking song. Uh, and, you, you know, why the fuck do you think I say peace at the end of every podcast? What happened to peace? Uh, peace. Yes, yes, always. I do it in on voice messages, uh, too, and, and people are like, oh, you, you always say peace at the end of a voice? I'm like, yeah, man. Peace. What happened to peace? Okay. Like... Oh yeah, so that's it, man. Little, I just Easter egg. I like that. I think it's stupid. I think it's just stupid good. This album, and I think this is where Eric B's narrative. I feel narrative... like some nostalgia's. I feel like I feel like you got some nostalgia goggles on this, bro. Bro, it's. But I listened to it yesterday. It's fire. <laughs> it's still fire. I don't know. I don't know. I you know. You blew I'm... me out of the water with that take. I was like, what? It's it's not hot it's not hot take bro it's not oh, like I get it I complete I'm with you I understand where you're coming from but the others hit harder I'm just saying just from a beat perspective they hit harder oh, bro beats, I ain't yeah. no joke while I rate the melody of it then it then it then it I love that sample bro love that right but you're telling you're telling me that the Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Yes. My 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 boy my my best my best friend's nephew who's like seven could do that on pencil. Come and on, that's bro. the point. Come on. That's Come on. the point. Oi, you can't say that and then and then attach so much cachet to grinding. You can't do that because everyone's like grinding is one of the that greatest too. beats that of all too. time. Gr- gr- and people are no, in, no. in gr- lunchrooms banging. Yeah. yeah, people in lunchrooms banging that out because anyone could do it. It's the same with right. Ain't No Joke. That's that's just my point. That's my point. Okay, okay. And, you know, I said, I, what did I say? I said it on his search of source. I said, Grindin' has not aged well. Oh, shit. <laughs> Come oh, I'm barking up the wrong tree at here. Me. <laughs> it hasn't aged well. I'm sorry. Like I get it. And, you know, I'll be one of those people. If, if someone does that beat on the table, I might I might drop off to life. You know what I mean? But, like, drop 16. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> My quick sixteen, maybe, maybe you never know, but bro, drop a fire four on top of it. I'm, I'm here, I'm here for the samples, like the samples everywhere. Yeah, the samples like, just, um, this is a journey into sounds. Great, it's great. I love it. You know, thinking of a master plan is a life quote. Life quote. But I'm sorry, 
Eric B ha- is uh, did way well. We're gonna get into the other albums, but he did yeah. way better production wise. Trust me. Let's do follow the leader because I. All right, let's I, do follow the fucking you know, leader. You know when I, I'll just say this quickly before I let you jump in. The the first time I floated the idea of doing an Eric B and Rakim episode, it was ages ago, and I was listening to Follow the Leader, and the first song came on, and I just texted Charlie. I'm like, can we speak about Eric B? Like one day, like. This was before I'd gotten into the ghost producing thing. I was like, yeah. this guy is a fucking insane producer. Like, this beat is just... What the fuck is this? This I is like... Hey. So, yeah. So, so, let's jump into it. Go, go. Yeah. So, so, so exactly. Right. So, this is my thing. So, I'm this, so I, did this, I did this this week, right? So, I listened to Paid in Full. I'm like, cool. You know? <laughs> it's Paid in Full. <laughs> I'm like cool. The greatest hip, is, one right? of the greatest hip hops of all, albums of all time. Yes, yeah, all right. It's it's a six point five. It's pretty oh, cool. Fuck off, bro. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not I'm not shitting on it like that. On, you <laughs> no, know what I'm saying? I'm being I'm, being, I'm critiquing. I'm critiquing. <laughs> right? And then you hear that Rakim is like, <laughs> come on, bro. That bass is fucking yeah. nutty. Yeah, that bass, that bass is, is nutty, and no song of Paid and Fall touches it. That one song alone, from a beat perspective, does not touch "Follow the Leader," and the urgency on that track—that's that, that's probably that's probably, is that my favorite Airbnb Rakim track? It might be. It's definitely top five, and the only reason for that, and you know, that's obviously not a hot take, because you know it's a fucking classic track, but just the ur- the urgency to that beat, just the you know, there's the samples behind it, and like what Rakim is saying, and and not even what he's saying, but how he's saying it. He just like he ramps it up. He's got that tension going. He's speeding up a little bit. Like world's out of sight. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. It's like a, it's like watching a film and just like a mad. Just it's like watching the raid and just like watching him action scenes. And it's just like constantly fucking upgrading itself. Oh shit, he's got a knife now. It's just like <laughs> they just upgrade it, bro. Yeah. And that's just the one fucking song. Uh, <laughs> I ain't even got into Microphone Fiend. Oh, I ain't even got into Lyrics of Fury. Lyrics of Fury. I, ca- I can't. I can't, bro. It's it's, it's absolutely silly. Like, how... The, the upgrading. Like, just from uh, just from both of them. The upgrade in... What was it? In one year, bro. In one year. Like, they didn't even... They, they didn't even let, let Prade in Full breathe. No, no they fucked that <laughs> back went, on their neck. Here's another one. Yeah. <laughs> here's a fucking another one. Um, fucking, uh, uh, and obviously this one has uh, a couple more, um, uh, just Eric B tracks where it's just like, you know, him doing this thing, which I kind of appreciate. And, uh, you actually don't see it in the, uh, next two albums, which is kind of fascinating, um, in just how, uh, obviously the track length, um, is pretty much the same for all of them, you know, around 50 minutes to an hour. Um, but for this particular, for this particular album, it's like, there's a, you know, there's a, several tracks um uh what is it i think uh beats for listeners i think to the listeners is one uh i think just a beat well just a beat is obviously one uh eric b never scared as well so yeah there's there's a you know there's a i think that's half is that half the album that might be half the album so you know it's not even it's one of the it's one of the rare albums that I don't, I don't know the last time that's ever happened where you know there's an there's a album with one producer and one rapper and there's songs just for the producer to do his stuff that's a rarity i don't know the last time that happened i really don't um hit me up if you know (laughs) because it's kind of it's kind of interesting but obviously 
um, we'll get into the lighter note challenge, and that's uh, and that's um, you know we're gonna, the re- the the reference to it is going to be like you know obviously the popularity of one rapper, one producer albums these days, um, and I, I you know you, you hear obviously them projects, and you know it's it's like any other project. It's like you know someone's rapping, someone's laying a beat. That's it. But this album has um, not just you know the microphone fiends and lyrics of fury. But also has you know just just a beat, be never scared, and it's just and it's just a beat. Um, so I kind of find that interesting. Um, it kind of uh, links it to something like um, closer to like an EDM album um, in some sometimes where um, I think there's many other many other like uh, electronic dance music albums that you know they 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 obviously have the beat itself, but sometimes they ha- they lean to some you know uh, to a vocalist just to provide something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting on that perspective how um, it's really balanced in terms of giving both of them you know their equal shine in some ways. It's certainly a rarity in mainstream, at least. You know, I was thinking more beat tapes like Jansport J yeah. or uh, Clams Casino or something like that. But you know, it's it's a rarity, and it's there's there's other reasons why this is iconic. Like this, when we say mainstream, we mean freaking mainstream. Okay, this album is the first ever million dollar this album is the first uh million dollar deal in hip-hop history like mca eric b did that he went to russell simmons the day before their recording contract was due to renew and he said we're way worth way more than we're getting paid uh and the deal on the table with russell simmons was 400k and apparently russell simmons was not happy about that (laughs) eric b said on combat jack he's just like if uh, and again, Eric B was posturing. He's like, if if Russell was brave enough, basically, he would have punched me that day, but he didn't. And uh, they have it, man. They have it. And Rakim on this, like, lyrics of fury does not get talked about enough. I think that it this, really doesn't. I think this is this is the beginning of stream of consciousness rap. Like, it's just like he's going off the top. And I know he doesn't. He doesn't do this because he said, uh, with I think it was a breakfast club or it might have been Stretch and Barbido. And he's like, I write my, I used to write my rhymes down and, like, read them off the page. Like, I didn't even memorize them. I would get in the booth and read them off the page. He actually said that's his, one of his biggest regrets as a rapper. He said he wished that he had memorized them so he could actually go in and spit them from memory and then, like, put passion and emotion in his voice. But, man, on this, like... This was 1988, and he was rapping, It's only one capable, breaks the unbreakable, melodies unmakeable, pattern unescapable. I haunt you if you want the style I possess. I bless the child, the earth, the gods, and bomb the rest. For those that envy an MC, it can be hazardous to your health, so be friendly. A matter of life and death, just like an etcher sketch. What? What? What the fuck is that? Like, it's just Filth. insanity, bro. The whole song Filth. is like that. The whole album is like Filth. that. I mean, the whole thing is... Oh, man, I, I love that. I love that. I love this album, too. I think it's freaking insane. I really do think they leveled up, as you said. And um, it was because of that call that Rakim put into Eric B. And it was... Uh, it was after, I think it must have been after paying full... And uh, he was in the studio with Nas, and he's like, "We gotta, we gotta step it up, we gotta level up." And uh, Eric B did his thing, man, because I know Rakim was dropping heat lyrically, but the production has to match that. And I don't know, you know, the production fucking matched it, whether Eric B did it or not. It's, it's there. And uh, 
you know, I remember like that when I first heard that first song, it was just the bass was like it was inside me. It was like I could feel that in my body. Like it was just, it's that powerful. It's just insane. And I actually wrote down here. <laughs> so I wrote down here that I don't want to hark back to Charlie's hot take, but I said I usually come in with a hot take and I say that I like the album everyone says is second better than the one they say is first. And I said, I wrote this, I can't do this today because Paid in Full is just mesmerizingly influential and incredible, but I do love Follow the Leader and I always will. So I, I want to go back into that debate again, but I do fucking love this album. Like I think it's uh, it's an insane piece of music to come back with that a year later. Bro, I mean, that's just legendary shit. Um, and then let the rhythm hit him. Do you want to jump into that? In a second. Um, I just want to, I just, the one little tidbit I really love about Follow the Leader, apart from like all the just the absolute bars on here, right? Is that he referenced Microphone Fiend and Lyrics of Fury on that track. And like, if, say, say, obviously, because obviously, I think Microphone Fiend was a single. Um, so say if you didn't listen to those two tracks, and then you listen to this obviously first, and he says microphone still I fiend, and then he says uh, uh what, what, what is it uh, Fury freestyle lyrics of Fury on the third verse, and it's like, and then those tracks come. It's just like, it's just perfect like just foreshadowing, yeah. and if you clock that, it's so it's so rewarding. <laughs> it's well It's so freaking rewarding, bro. It, it really is. It's it's yeah, it's welcoming as well. Yeah, and the thing I just find so fascinating about all of this is just like. Oh, bro, I I can't get over it. I can't get over these bars. I really do. And the thing is, right, reading them doesn't do justice. It really doesn't, because obviously, when you when you rec- when you listen to it properly and recognize the flow with it, and how he constantly slows it down, speeds it up, and tries different. He said in his book that he he made it a point to never use the same flow twice. And I tried desperately to try and find a flow that was just a just a, just a little bit of the same as something else and i was like I can't, I can't it's really hard to find there probably is i you know what i mean but and even if there is uh even if there's like one or two that's still silly uh, that's, that's still silly just to have that you know to have that con- consistent thought of just to like okay i've used that flow bin it <laughs> try and find a new one that's fucking nuts but um yeah let the rhythm in okay Alright, so this is a this is where it, this is where it changes. Um, I think for uh, for both of them um, as a group or as, as a um, as a as a duo, simply because of how they um, in uh, in inter- uh, what's the word um, implement uh, more jazz um, sampling. Um, Obviously, and, and actually, uh, in terms of more of like a con- uh, and more of a content uh, perspective as well, there's actually more variety from Rakim lyrically. Um, for one example, you can go look at Mahogany, which is literally, you know, it's just he, he's talking about a woman, and it's very, very good. <laughs> so at the same time, obviously, um, you had like uh, people like Big Daddy Kane, and he was that guy. He was the he was the ladies guy. Like all the all the ladies wanted him, all the men wanted to be him. That was. That was Big Daddy Kane, right? But Rakim came through with mahogany, and you know, I'm not saying this it blows anything. Um, uh, 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 Big Daddy Kane did uh, <laughs> uh, out of the water, but it's it's very romantic, 
and uh, it's actually kind of I, I don't know what I, I don't know what to what's the what's the word it's kind of um it's kind of surprising when you when you go on to it actually um so let me read a little bit of it it's kind of uh it's, it's very detailed i just want to find the just want to sorry if you're in a rush don't let me hold you up or intervene or interrupt but you got the look i want to get to know you better i had to let her know but yo i didn't swear because if you would uh, would have seen what i was seeing almost looked korean but european when she spoke her accent was self-explanatory even her body language told the story her name was mahogany twin name was ebony twin's name was ebony <laughs> i say my name's ra and this is eric b it's it's just it's just yeah. great. It's just yeah. solid storytelling, of course, and it's kind. It it, it just it very surprised it surprised me a lot. But sound wise, it really um, I think it really set the stage um for the next album. Don't sweat the technique. Um, I think it was really um, yeah. It it really it really set up a new foundation. I think um, it didn't. It wasn't as um, it wasn't as grisly as the first two. Um, it was more. It was. It was a bit more. Just, just a little bit more polish on it. You know, what I mean, just, just a little bit, a little bit of a spit shine as it pertains to a uh, uh, sound quality, um, and uh, just, and just general feel. It was much more. It, it felt. It felt like much more. It felt like much more of a smoother ride, and not just like I'm just gonna punch you in the face repeatedly with these bars. Take these fucking bars, stick it down your throat, kind of uh, energy. Um, it was much, it was much more chilled, and uh, I kind I kind of I kind of rate that actually. Um, but yeah, and now and now I'm trying to now I'm trying to if I want to backtrack, but um, no, I won't. No, you know I'm gonna stick to my guns. No, I'll stick to my guns. <laughs> but, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, this album really highlighted to me. This real um the their collab like the the duo. You know, it was like they were matching each other's energy. You know, and. Uh, Eric B said that uh, they created everything together. You know, it's always credited as produced by Eric B and Rakim. And it genuinely, and, and Rakim said similarly, nice. although he did say it at one point that he was the one who did most of the work on this particular album. Uh, but it was, that's what it felt like to me. It was like, Ra wanted to go in a, not a different direction, but like he was always evolving and changing as an MC. Okay. And when you think about yes. these two personalities and how completely different they are, you know, they're just, you listen to interviews, it's like, it's crazy. You know, they're just different people. But they were growing. I mean, I can't say they were growing in the same direction, but they were at least growing adjacent to each other. And they came together and collaborated. It was like, what one wasn't getting stuck in the past. One wasn't become trying to become too futuristic. It was like, they would, it was just, it, that's why I think it's a great fucking duo because... You know, Ra was going in a different direction and Eric B came with him on that journey. And, uh, I mean, it changed hip-hop. So that's why I find it always hard to even go back to that and be like, well, was Ra... Like, you know, Eric B was the perfect... He was the one who gave the perfect backdrop to uh, to Ra Kim's lyrical evolution and technical evolution. And I really respect that, man. It's This is the first album to ever get five mics in the source, you know? Oh, really? Like, yeah, that's wild. I didn't know that. That's wild. So, yeah. and that's a legendary thing, five mics. So you might think that they dropped off, you know, because Paid in Full was so legendary and Follow the Leader has like the commercial accolades. They never dropped off, man. They never dropped <laughs> off. Like this is just top tier quality, you know? Like it's a great fucking album. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is probably, it's probably, this it, 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 is, uh, is it my favorite album? It might, it might be, it might be my favorite out of the out of the four. 
follow follow the leader is close. I think it's one of them too for sure. Um, it, it it dips it dips in and out. I can pick any. It will change every day for me. Every time I listen to it, similar to like her, <clears throat> similar to when I was talking about her Biggie Biggie's albums. It's just like wh- whichever one I've listened to most recently is the one, is the one I rate the best. Um, but yeah, this uh, like I said, it's while let the rhythm hit him set the foundation uh, for the more jazzy and soulful production. Um, this album just refined it to a fine like like just to just like a fine crafted just piece of work like it's 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 so nice it's so nice to listen to and um even and actually it became it became more um and like you were talking about in terms of how they were growing um rakim lyrically actually grew more to how we see um uh rakim now as you know um rakim god allah and you know and obviously um uh dipping in more into his uh, uh more, dipping more into his faith and uh, the fact that he was called Rakim, obviously, you know, says, says a lot. But he was dipping into it more, um, a lot more political lyricism in this. Um, I mean, '92, you know, considering the fact it was '92, um, you, know, s- you know, similar times to obviously um, other other artists we've talked about recently, obviously Ice Cube, the NWA's, and Public Enemies. So it's, you know, it's right in there. And uh, I guess. Uh, uh, it, it, I guess those where the technique fits in the same vein with uh, obviously stuff like casualties of war, um, uh, t- talking about that kind of stuff. And he mentions, you know, obviously uh, the the president, the actual mm-hmm. president, like be the president, uh, several a uh, couple times during uh, during the album. But bro, I don't know about you, bro, but um, Juice, that shit is a top ten bump in the whip track for me, bro. Yeah, it's like that, I I just want to I just want to fucking drive 80 miles an hour down the M25 with that shit bro I can I feel invincible with that track <laughs> that track is invincible bro <laughs> like, it's just so fast paced it's got so much energy and just the samples behind it, it oh, it's, it's, it's probably my favourite uh, next to follow the leader it's probably my favourite uh, Arabian Rakim track to be honest it's, it's so replayable it's so uh, it's it's got some BDE in that bro it's a BD in that. <laughs> it really is. Um, you know, uh, Teacher Children's cool. Uh, rest assured, The Punisher is a good... Uh, a good and, and Casualty of the War, actually. Um, it's a good uh, free track stretch. Um, and obviously, Don't Sweat the Ledge... Uh, don't su- Know the Ledge, Juice, uh, Don't Sweat the Technique, and Kick Along are probably... Oh, that's a really good three tracks to end an album, to be honest. Um, I'm trying to think of another album that does a really good like three-track ender. Um, but that's up there. So it's a three-track just cap off to an, a legendary duo like that um, is really mm. good. <laughs> like, I really love Kick Along. I forgot how great that was. And obviously, Don't Spread Technique is an absolute classic. Like everyone's heard that. Everyone's heard that beat. It's dong 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 dong. Just banging, absolute banging. Um, and yeah, Don't Spread Technique is fire. Yeah, I mean this this album is just like what it says to me. It, it sounds like money. Like, it just sounds so fucking yeah. clean and so polished and so, like, everything is just continues to get better and more tighter, you know? And I really like the fact that they continue down the sampling path because, you know, a lot of people credit Eric B as one of the... Not, like, he wasn't the one who created sampling. He wasn't the one... I mean, sampling, of course, is part of hip-hop history. But, like, yeah. he was the one that was really smashing at home. You know, if you listen to... 
any of these albums and even 1992's Don't Sweat the Technique, like every song has at least two samples on it. Like it was just, you know, mm. I really can't say much more than what you said. I love Casualties of War. I like the lyrical direction that Rakim went in because it was, it was a, if you think about this time in hip hop, like people were transitioning into different kinds of content, you know, outside of, uh, posturing and then you know gangster rap so people were like looking for other other areas to actually rap about and I feel like Rakim was again still at the forefront of hip-hop in 1992 you know four or five years after he'd come out and uh yeah it's a classic I they're four four albums probably four classics you know I, I really feel that way so where do so you know just getting overall in terms of that like where where do you like obviously we talked about RCJ4 and you know we'll see how that you know, ages down the line. Um, but as it pertains to it being Rakim and them, you know, them four albums, all classics in their own particular way, to be completely honest, like they all have their, <clears throat> they all, and that's the thing, they all have their own um, unique uh, legacy tied to them. You know, Pain in Full, obviously, in what you were talking about, right? Um, for the leader in terms of just, you know, out and out, lyrical bombardment and uh you know uh, dipping into having the producer have his own track so to speak um let the rhythm him having the jazzy and soulful production um i'm trying to think when was a uh, when was tribe called quest and all them lot like uh that was around the same time wasn't it so you know, i'm not 90s. saying they pioneered Early yeah, 90s. so you know it's, it's close it's it's close in terms of that you know i'm not saying they pioneered it but you know it's it's definitely up there with the low end theories and uh, the jungle brothers and stuff like that and uh, native tongues um and uh you know obviously don't sweat the technique has you know just classic songs on there and it's one of the best uh in my mind just uh overall albums in terms of just how it's produced what it's what it's saying the messaging it's all there so you know how would you i don't i don't ask you to rate you know to rank to, uh, you know duos or anything but like where do you where do you put them in the pantheon so to speak I think they have to be number two behind Outcast. I can't. I can't see how they could be anywhere else um, with the influence they had, the music they were making. You know, you could say Public Enemy, and I would put them high. You know, top five for sure. But I'd consider that a group personally. But sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, Gangstar obviously, but Gangstar didn't quite have the commercial success that uh, that and, and the business act. Like, there's a lot more to uh eric b and rakim than just the music you know like they were the ones mm-hmm. like eric b was the one who was helping people get fucking million dollar deals he was in like uh i think it was public enemy that said that he was the it was chuck d maybe who said that he was the reason why they actually got more money out of their record label because they said well eric b is doing all this this and this this and this and they're like oh yeah okay fair enough and eric b was the one who started to say to rappers you know, your your worth isn't defined by what they pay you. Your worth is defined by what you're selling and the value you're bringing to the company. Stop looking at it like I'm getting this X amount for a, for an advance and that's how much money I'm worth to this company. Start looking at how much money you're making for the company and then start negotiating based on that, not based on an advance or the advance someone else got, et cetera, et cetera. That's very valuable. And obviously Rakim changing the course of hip hop, like, I could only say that Outcast is above uh, Eric B and Rakim. That's I can't put anyone else above. I I would find it really difficult to make an argument for anyone else being above them. To be honest, 
yeah, I think um, um, I think it's very close. Um, uh, I'd say personally, in terms of what I like to listen to, it'd probably be Eric B and Rakim. But um, obviously, Outcast is Outcast, and we obviously did a whole fucking free part on it. So that kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, <laughs> I'm kind of hand tying myself in terms of in terms of that. Like we, we ain't doing a three part for these for these two in terms of that. Um, but yeah, man, I could be, I could be uh, I could be see where you come from. I could be agree. Um, uh, so there's no other way to transition, but let's jump into that uh, into the, the the controversy that you wanted to get into. Well, yeah, I will do that quickly. I just want to talk about how they broke up because it is interesting. Like a lot of people might not really know what happened. I won't sure. go into at length about it, but both artists spoken about the breakup of the group repeatedly. I'll put it in their words. Uh, I will say this that Rakim has always gone into technical detail about how it broke up. Eric B has never gone into technical detail. He has just said that uh, Rakim was being immature and that uh, it was the business that broke them up. Rakim said this, and I say verbatim, we had three more albums left on the contract. Eric B came up with an idea. He said if he'd do a solo joint, I'd do a solo joint, and then together we'd do the last joint. Then our contracts would be up and we could negotiate new ones. Meanwhile, when he'd do the solo joint, he'd take all the money for that. When I'd do mine, I'd take all the money for that. Uh, we'd get back together with a new album, new deal, and we'd both take the money for that. It was, uh, sorry, he says here, long story short, Eric B did his, I signed off, and when it was time for me to do mine, he didn't want to sign off. And that's what caused the breakup of Eric B and Rakim. So that was what Rakim mm-hmm. said. Eric B on the Combat Jack show was significantly less detailed and he's like this in all his other interviews across the 2010s. He basically said that they split the business 50-50 and he alluded to feeling like that even wasn't fair, that maybe he deserved more than 50-50, but he never took it. And he says that he believes if they split it 50-50 and he still allows he still allowed Rakim to play their collab joints on tour, then Rakim shouldn't have anything to say about it. He repeatedly, and I wrote this down, he repeatedly calls Rakim's issues childish and immature. So when they got back together, uh, you know, there were a few interviews where Rakim, Rakim was a little bit weird about it. Like in one interview, he'd say that Eric B was the one who who admitted that there was a mistake and that he manned up about it and then they got back together. In another interview, Rakim said that it was Ra who actually needed to man up and mature. So... But um, in the end, they both said in an interview with Rolling Stone, they came back together because it was family and it was inevitable that they would. Um, but also that they they owed the fans, you know, that they owed the fans. But, you know, I wrote here like, Eric B revealed that they get paid 150 to 200K per live show. So, you know, for the fans, but like, hey, that $200,000 bag is heavy and it's big. And, uh, you know, when, uh, when you're in your late 40s and early 50s and Louis Vuitton's got a new pair of sneakers out, like that 200 grand looks pretty freaking good. So maybe that had something to do with it as well. I don't know if, if you want to comment on that. No, so not really much, not really much there. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, what I will say um, is uh, if I ever get the chance, to see Eric B and Rakim live, I can die happy because uh, you understand how much of a rarity that will that is. <laughs> like fucking rare, bro. Fucking rare. Considering that uh, Rakim doesn't even fly, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 swim it's, it's, it's a rarity for sure. So um, I just want to say for the record, if I ever see uh, Green Rock Kim live, um, I can die a happy man. So I'll just uh, leave it at that. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it, man. Let's get into the ghost producers. So this all began when Miley Mile allegedly produced My Melody. Okay, that was the B-side to their first single, Eric B is President. And Marley Marle is credited as mm-hmm. the engineer, as is MC Shan, on the official uh, 12-inch. Now, Marley Marle has said repeatedly that he produced the record and he produced Eric B as president. He said, and I quote, Collectively, we both had ideas for the song, but I physically put it together of my melody. And when he says collectively, he seems to mean he and Rakim. Now, Prodigy wrote in his own book, that Marley Marl produced the entire paid in full album. Now I found a really cool oh. article that did it. Yeah. Yeah. So Prodigy just and and Prodigy look, you read Prodigy's book. Prodigy is not taking any prisoners in that book. People were mad pissed because he was telling truths. Truths that probably shouldn't have been told. Okay, so like I, I find it really hard to disagree with Prodigy on that. But anyway, um, I found this really cool article uh, that went into a deep dive. Now, firstly, I'll speak on what Eric B said. He says that he paid Marley Marl to manifest the beat that Eric B had created. Eric B came up with the concept and the idea, and he paid Marley Marl to engineer it. He said uh, Eric didn't know how to use some of the equipment, so he paid an engineer to do that. Hence, no production credit. Eric B gets very heated about it. When he's asked about it, especially on Combat Jackman, he gets very upset and... Yeah, you know, and and even when Combat Jack brings up Rakim, he says that they he simply says they created the songs together. So he get he gets very angry. He gets he, you know he says that everyone else is lying and and that's not true. A lot of people have said that the way that uh, producers were credited back then, like the engineers would be co-producers now. So that yeah. keep that in mind. Like if this had happened in twenty twenty. Yes, Molly Mile would be co-producer. He would be. He would have a production credit. The way that mm-hmm. uh, Eric B says it, he's like, I paid him. He did the work. That's it. His job is done. He's not. He doesn't get credit. That's that's how he feels. Um, so it gets even. You know, it gets even more messy. Uh, let me find out what it says here. Um, so Rakim says in the interview, this is this is messy. Most of the tracks on the first and second albums. I did those myself, no question. This is Rakim speaking. I did those myself, no question. Back then, Eric B wanted to be a businessman, so I said, okay, you can take care of the business. I'm going to stick with this notebook right here. So by not getting involved, he was right there telling them to print whatever he wanted them to print on the album cover. That was my mistake. Mm. If we did 10 tracks on the album, I did like seven of the beats myself. A lot of the times, they were just old park records. I had a record collection. I had turntables. I had all the breakbeats. So that's that. Rakim saying that. Now, there's an excerpt from Check the Technique by Brian Coleman. Patrick Adams is the engineer on the first two albums, and it's believed that he did most of the work on a lot of those beats. And Rakim's brother... Rakim's brother is credited as playing all instruments on Follow the Leader. That's yeah. official credits. So it's assumed that any instrument that isn't sampled is played by his brother. Now, fuck me, man. It gets Look, this is a deep dive. 45 King was interviewed, 
and he said that he did the beat for Microphone Fiend and that he made made it for Fab Five Fab Freddy Five. Um, that's right, Fab oh, Five Freddy. Fab, Fab, Fab Freddy. Freddy. Fucking Fab up. Five Freddy. You're doing I, so I well. Yeah, I know. I was doing well. See, I can't sleep on uh, that. we should Fab we should have kept your we should have kept we should have kept your intro in, bro, because then my mistake wouldn't seem so bad. But we can't cut this out what, now what? because Charlie's the editor. So fuck. Anyway, I apologize. <laughs> um. So anyway, that implies to me that implies that the concept and execution came from Forty Five King himself. Because if you make a beat with someone else in mind, bro, I mean, like Eric B's not making beats for other rappers around this time. He's making a beat with Rakim in mind. So uh, you know, like anyway, then it gets worse, man. On let the rhythm hit him. This article that I I referenced earlier, it's very well sourced. It says that. Paul C., who was an engineer who passed away during the making of the album, produced at least three songs. Large Professor was the protege of Paul C. Okay, Large Professor was the protege of Paul C. So no one really knew about Large Professor until Let the Rhythm Hit Him. He claimed that Paul produced Run for Cover and Untouchables at the very least. Large Pro then said he produced, Large Professor produced, In the Ghetto, No Omega, and Step Back. And the rest of the album... The rest of the album was produced by Rakim and his brother. The final album is a fucking mess because it says the on the <laughs> it says on the it says on the sleeve that Eric B and Rakim engineered and produced everything, uh, and yet pr- they they list production coordinators like Large Professor Kerwin Young and Richard Sims. So. Look, it's a fucking mess, man. But the the, the overwhelming... Ev- what I'm trying to say here is... Eric B is really upset about the whole thing. He really went in on Large Professor and Marley Mall. He called them liars. He, he called them liars repeatedly. He said that he said that Marley Mall is right about making my melody originally. Because he was an engineer. Um, but the evidence to me... like. Uh, Eric B used Bismarcky as an example. He said apparently Bismarcky was having the same issues with Marley Mall. Okay, well, even if we take that as red and we say Marley Mall maybe isn't the greatest, maybe he's taking credit for beat, whatever. I'm not saying that, but if we did say that, there's so much other evidence that there were other people like Large Professor, 45 King, Paul C. Like there's just, it's very weird. And Rakim even. Rakim even saying, yeah, I produced most of those songs. So, I mean, what do you do with this, Charlie? Like, as a statistician, I go off the credits. That's it. Bang. I don't care what yeah. anyone says. That's why uh, I spoke about this last week with um, Crooked Eye and myself, how we got into a, dis- into a dispute because the credits said that he produced, Eminem produced 80% of one of Slaughterhouse's albums, and I tweeted that out. And he's like, you weren't in the studio with me. You don't know. And I'm like, I don't know. So fix the fucking credits. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't... How are we meant to know? Like, as a statistician, yeah. I have to go off the credits. So I have to say, produced by Eric B and Rakim. But when you when you do a mm-hmm. deep dive into it, it's murky as hell. Like, how how do you even unpack mm-hmm. this, Charlie? How, how does it affect the legacy of Eric B, in your view? Um, well... Firstly, it's interesting to talk about Marley Mar in that sense because at that time he was practically a god at that point, considering that he was, you know, the guy. Like in New York, the guy. Queensbridge, the guy. Right? 
you know, he, he started the Juice Crew. You know, it was like the first super group, literally. Like, <laughs> like Rock, uh, Roxanne Chante, Z Shan, Beast Marquis, Craig G, Master Race, Big Daddy Kane. Like, it's just, that's a super group, right? And he, and he, he led that, right? He, he was the architect of that. So, um, as it takes to credit on that front, I'm just, I, I can't, it, it's a lot of hearsay. Um, and you know, from a legal perspective, like I can't, I can't, you, you, there's no way you can make a verdict with all of that shit. Like, it's just, that's just silly. Like if, if Rakim, right, the, the, the only thing I'll say is this, like if Rakim didn't say, um, like, uh, didn't say anything for sure, or like, he was like, I, did, I don't know, I was in another room, like, and you know, I just, I just caught the beat. I didn't see who was doing it. And then, like, if it was, if it was like that then, you know, it could be, it's just, it'll be constantly in dispute, nobody will know the right, the, the correct answer, um, and, you know, just go, like, how you, how you see it, you know, it's just credits, like, if it says Arabian Rakim, it's Arabian Rakim, it's just how, it's just how you have to go about it, but the fact that he says that he, you know, did a lot of the beats with his bro, it, it just adds a whole spanner into the works, like, I can, and on that front, I can see why Eric B would be pissed, um, you know, we, we were talking about it last night, and, you know, obviously you were listening to the Combat Jack show, and it was just like, and there was a lot of, you know, it was like, a, what, what would you say, it was like, a, you know, going, like, he was one of those people was like, oh, I don't want to talk about it, but let me talk about it for half an hour, right, and, you know, on that front, I can completely understand it, because if you're, if, if the, if your namesake the second guy on your duo is also taking credit for some of the production, and you're supposed to be the producer. Yeah, I'd be pissed as well. I I would. I'd be pissed as well. So you know, and I'd feel some type of way. So yeah, man. There's nothing you can really. You can't make a verdict out of any of that because there's so much hearsay. There's so many people, like just throwing their hats into the ring, so to speak, for uh for respective projects and respective songs, that you can't. Uh, it's, it, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it, I guess, and to end it, it's like, while I can, while I'll, on the face, I will always think of it as just Eric B and Rakim, right, and I think logically you might as well just see it as that, because it's just, it just makes life simpler, but yeah, you know, for the fact that there's so many articles about this, there's so many words spoken about this, prodigy, like, of all people, what, what the fuck was prodigy that point like let's let's be let's be real crazy, prodigy like, was prodigy was telling everything prodigy was telling everything in that book if you haven't read wrote, prodigy's like, book go go read that yeah. shit because that's wild i mean if there's an audiobook version i'll, I'll, I'll cop there um, is yeah. there is um, there is yeah, an man, audiobook just, all right all right well, i'll go, go look it up but yeah bro it's just so much there's so much to it like you can't it's, it's one of those things that are so confusing you just want to take yourself out of it and just see as Eric and Rakim. And that's how I see it, because I'd rather not just see in the me- I'd rather not get into the messiness, because it's just there's so much of it. You just get your head bogged down in it, and you will never find a, you know, a concrete answer to it, unless you were there. Unless you have a time machine, you can be in that room and be a fly on the wall. Nobody else knows the answer, other than the people that are talking. So... It is, it is what it is on that front. And um, I don't... I don't I personally don't let it um, besmirch um, the legacy of Eric B as a producer. Same way how we talked about Dr. Dre and uh, the Ghost Ryan. Um, 
I don't, I don't, I don't let it, I don't really want to let it just, um, you know, uh, be a stain. It's there, it exists, and I acknowledge it, but I'm not going to, like, not listen to Eric P anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck Eric P, I'm going to go listen to Marley Ma. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, it's not like that for me. I don't, I don't really care on that front, so, uh, yeah, man, here's what it is. I can't, I, you can't make heads or tails out of any of that, to be completely honest. It's just so much. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it doesn't bother me it's that like much. the Wendy like, Williams show. Fucking hell. Sorry? It's like the Wendy Williams show or the fucking Shade Room. It's just like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a step back. <laughs> it's ironic that you say Wendy Williams because uh yeah, apparently he dated Eric B did date Wendy Williams at one point. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's that too. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but no, I feel the same way about you as you do. I, I can't you know I mean the, you could say oh the overwhelming evidence, but in the end, it's not my issue. Like I don't care. Like, what, what, how does it affect yeah. me? It would only affect me statistically, and that would only happen if... You know, it's the same with Lauren Hill. You know, people go all, always talking about Lauren Hill and how she didn't produce, That's or et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, well, bro, until the track list changes, until the official credits change, I am keep saying what the official credits say. I'm not in these rooms with these business people. I don't know what the deals are. I don't. I wasn't in the room recording it with you, and I don't think the greater public really cares that much. I really don't. I don't even see what difference it makes. They just like, see Eric B and Rakim. That's all they see. So. I mean, that's it. And that's it. And they're a legendary duo. And their four, first four albums are classic. And they're the second greatest duo of all time. Bang. That's it. That's all, That's how I feel. And nothing's, nothing's changing that. Nothing that I've read in the last week has changed that. So that's how I feel about it. All right, well said. We'll leave it at that, honestly. Can't, that's a perfect way to cap it off. Um, so we'll jump right into Lion Note, and and look, we're actually going to make our now ninety minute mandatory fucking our <laughs> uh, uh, mandatory ninety minute length. I'm half kidding. Yeah, we're smashing um, these out. All right, so let's jump hop into the Lion Note challenge. Uh, where is it? So I can read it properly. All right, cool. So Lion Note challenge. Since one rapper, one producer projects have become more popular, name a new school producer. That you'd like to do, like that you'd like to see a project do. What producer <laughs> hey. of new school would you like to see do a project with Rock Kim, and who would you like to see from a new school rapper perspective to do a project with Eric B? Go. I don't know why I trip myself up with these fucking questions. I'll just fucking read it. At least you didn't fuck up Fab Five Freddy. <laughs> you yeah, need Fab to Freddy that. Five, the 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 the, the Big Notorious. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. This is Yoda talk. Um, <laughs> the so quest, the, tr- uh, the quest called Tribe. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to see Kenny Beats. I would love to see Kenny Beats and Rakim do a project together. I really would because I think Kenny Beats is just he is, and he and LP are in similar space where they're just creating stuff that sounds like '90s boom bap as if it were on fucking molly or amphetamines or something it's just insane and i just think rakim over the top of that uh just spitting some genuinely because you know we've heard denzel over the top of kenny beats recently and it sounds it sounds incredible but denzel is like that aggressive faster rap you know it's like it's basically what people told rakim to be back in the 80s he's like you need you need to rap faster you need to rap more aggressive i just think rakim's laid back style would just be perfect across that. And I go back to, um, I think it was The Watcher 2 uh, on Blueprint 2 with Jay-Z, Dre, and Rakim. And Dr. Dre produced that song. 
And I see a lot of parallels between Kenny Beats and Dr. Dre. I, I feel like they both give the artist a lot of space to to just spit. And Rakim's verse mm. on that, I mean, the, the whole song, that Watcher 2, is just insane. Rakim on that is... Um, I was actually surprised that I, f- I felt like Jay-Z matched Rakim, maybe even bested him just. That surprised me because I do believe that Rakim at his peak would beat Jay-Z at his peak in a lyrical battle. Uh, but to hear, you know, Rakim on that kind of beat, I think in 2020 would just sound fucking insane, especially with everything that's going on right now. And Rakim is deeply in, you know, into political and conscious, socially conscious hip hop. Like that's he he's made songs like that before. It would just fire me the fuck up. And then a new school rapper to do a project with Eric B. I would I would say Joey Badass. I would love to hear that. And I, I know a lot of people want to see Joey Badass move away from boom bap and move away from old school sounds, but he just sounds so comfortable on them, and he's he flows like honey. Like he flow, he he just sounds like um, J Cole is another one I would like to see on that kind of production because every time I hear J Cole on that kind of older school production, he just hits this pocket and his voice is just so effortless. It's like it's like this guy goes goes to sleep rapping and wakes up rapping. Like it's 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 like he's talking to you, and I feel like Eric B would just bring the be- the best out of both of those artists. I just think it would be he would add an extra mm-hmm. element to it and just really add an extra element of ceremony let's put it that way because when you think about j cole doing some of his guest spots like the london he fucking scorches because there's ceremony to it like there's there's it's an occasion you know what i'm trying to say it's like when he's on his album he gets into these concepts mm-hmm. and that's why i like born sinner as I, that's why i think born sinner is his second best album because some of those beats are so big and grand it's like finally j cole's like rising to this you know big three occasion like i'm i'm you know the best rapper in the world kind of thing it was the same on uh green ranger with little wayne or when he did uh star is born with jay-z that was an occasion record and he slayed it and eric b is the king of creating the big moment and the same with joey badass you know i think that he's very underrated and i think if you put him over something that's going to lift him up he will just scorch so those would be the two that i would uh i would say okay well I will. I will be real. I did have those two in my mind, um, and if you didn't say them, I probably would have. Um, but okay. I did think of a couple more just to switch it up. Um, I was thinking Madlib, but I was just like, nah, it's too easy, and he's he's not technically new uh, new school, so I'll I'll, I'll push away from that. Um, this is gonna surprise you. I think I think these 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 couple. Um, so for producer with Rock Kim, um, I'm throwing Tyler Gray there. I think okay. um, I think that'll be very I think that'd be very interesting, um, especially in t- uh, and obviously you can pick a certain uh, album as it pertains to uh, Tyler. I guess I'm thinking more uh, maybe maybe like more Wolf era um, yeah. Tyler yeah. in terms of production. I think I think that would fit. Um, it, I think that would fit quite nicely. But obviously, Tyler is you know he can he can do a lot of things in terms of that, and we've seen over his career. And uh, I think that'll be very interesting. Um, uh, uh, uh combination actually. I, I'd I'd love to throw, love to see that kind of thing. Cool. For Eric B, I it's it's tough. It, it's tough. Like I feel like Joey is like uh is is the easy pick. I, I think. Um, I would. 
I'm t I'm 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 tossing up between two here. I'm trying to think. I'm thinking either either Vince Staples or Earl Sweatshirt. Um, oh, yeah, and I'll probably go Vince Earl. Staples actually. Oh, I'll go. Man. I'll go. I'll go Vince Staples. I'll go Vince Staples personally. Um, I just think, and I'm not really the biggest fan of Vince Staples. Um, uh, uh, just in terms of what he drops, I'm, I don't really see the hype to be completely honest. But I think. Um, in terms of what Eric B does, I think it would fit very nicely, and I think if he if if the sampling was more, um, uh, if Vince had a had a word in, as clearly Rakim did, <laughs> as a taste of production, um, I think it would be very cohesive. Actually, I've, I'd find that very fascinating in terms of what Vince talks about. Obviously, you know. He says it differently in terms of uh, what Rock, how Rakim does it, but you know the 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 parallels are there, um, and uh, yeah, I, th I think that'll be very interesting. And uh, I mean, I can do anything. That's that's just a cop out in my in my mind. I think that dude's literally a cheat code. So, so uh, I'll, I'll 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 go from that, and I'll I'll throw in Vince Staples just for the kicks. I'm glad we both feel the same about Earl because, uh, yeah, it makes for easier conversations. Chico. Sometimes it's hard Chico. to say to people, Chico. this guy's like a I could do, top, could do metal yeah, music. Like a top I could do, five could do chill hot MC. music. It don't matter. He's a don't top five technical MC. I don't care what anyone says. It's just insane. Yeah, he's yeah. gifted. Like you could hear on, even on his first project when he was like seventeen or sixteen. It's like this guy is genuinely just a gifted individual. So yeah, I agree. Those are great choices, man. Yeah. Those are great choices. I'd love, I'd I'd buy those albums for sure. Yeah, be out of the box. All right, cool. Well, we did make it. We did. <laughs> I'm joking that obviously we don't try and make these ninety minutes long, nearly. But uh, it, just yeah, it just happens, bro. It just happens. You know, we've got shit to talk about, man. We just got to get that content out. Uh, but regardless, uh, it's been digging digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie over the fifth. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. I hope you have a good week. Uh, we should always always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy. Here's the job. All right, peace. Big Carter say peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. They set your records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points and your records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been the Fifth M Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers Collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. We'll dig in in the digits.